the ever-changing. Coming back to, he dwells in everything in this ever-changing world. The Sanskrit word for the world is Jagat. Jagat literally means ever-changing. The Buddha has called suffering or Dukkha as a noble truth. The root Du has connotations of heat and all that goes with it, including burning, change and chaos. When we see the air around a fire, it is chaotic. In the word Dukkha, Du means being consumed by chaos. Du also means Tu, duality, signifying the loss of an original state of unity, integrity, wholeness, and all the chaos that comes with it. Kha means space. In the Rig Veda, Kha denotes the space of the navel of the wheel, where the axle is inserted, implying the center, the vortex. Dukkha is therefore our mind space being filled up with the heat of disturbance and chaos. It's a chaotic vortex which can consume you by your sense of wholeness, your integrity, your sense of order is destroyed and chaos reigns. Chaos disturbs us, makes us suffer because we too are nature. Just as the child is so beautiful, powerful and truthful in its innocence because it is in sync with its own nature, we too are that. That's what Rishi Uddalaka means when he tells Shweta Ketu, Tat Tvammasi Shweta Ketu, you are that Shweta Ketu. And so it is in order that we experience Sukha, coolness, stability, and if do means duality, so would have to mean the absence of it. So in Sukha, we experience stability, oneness. In stability, we feel together. Getting clear. One day, the teacher of the black arts came to the boy in a disturbed state. A wealthy supporter had taken ill. He had gone over to his place to nurse him back to health using all his knowledge of medicine and the black arts. But in a matter of three days, his patron died in his arms. He was in tears. From my youth, I have spent my whole time practicing the black arts, producing death and bringing about hailstorms. Life is so uncertain, my son. All these powers have failed to protect me from grief. I feel so helpless. I regret using my powers to cause harm to you and so many people. After many years of teaching the black arts, now it had hit him. Life is uncertain. Clarity dawned on the boy. The only thing he wanted from life was he didn't want to suffer. And for that, he would have to completely heal from his guilt. He, 
had clearly heard his inner voice. The enormity of his crime now hit him. He was terrified of the thought of failing in his efforts and being consigned to the hellfires till eternity. Dharma, the cosmic order. According to Ayurveda, a body and mind are composed of the three primary and essential constitutional factors called dosha. The three dosha combine to make for all the physical and mental structures, maintain the integrity and govern the functions of the entire organism. The ancients have said, if our mental response to change is anxiety, we become vulnerable to disease. A disturbed intellect is one of the root factors of disease as per Ayurveda. The Charaka Samhita says, when we act, think or speak out of an improper understanding or bad judgment, when we commit any act or thought that is against our wisdom or pragya, it leads to the aggravation of the three dosha. This affects every cell of our body and our mental states as well. Because the three dosha pervade every cell of our body. And this is one of the three major causative factors for any kind of disease. The other two causes are unwholesome indulgences of our sense organs, which primarily stem from our lifestyle and the effects of change, and emotional outbursts, fear and anxiety are the result of our crimes against our own wisdom. The root cause of all kinds of epidemics is mentioned in the Ayurvedic texts as adharma. The word dharma has nothing to do with faith here. It is the underlying laws that govern the cosmos as well as our own nature. The word dharma is derived from the root dhri, which means to uphold, to keep, to maintain the properties of anything without corruption. When we say be yourself, it means be and act according to your nature, your dharma, as going against it will only result in disorder, dukkha. Sticking to your nature or dharma alone will make you happy. So what is one's dharma? How do we know it? As we saw in part 3, after his lengthy dialogue with Sri Krishna, Arjuna did get his clarity and he did fight. In the course of the war, he had to fight against his beloved grandfather and he didn't flinch. Why was this the right action for him? And why, for the boy, fighting was the wrong action? We get an insight into dharma from Sri Krishna's words to Arjuna. Those who are free from the sense of being the doer, whose intellect is unattached, to a personal motive. Though they may slay living beings, they neither kill nor 
are they bound by actions? In refusing to take up arms, Arjuna, being an upholder of law, was not fulfilling his obligation in giving in to his extreme sense of attachment, going against his own pragya. It is alright for the wise butcher and Kaushika's guru, Dharmavyadha, to slaughter animals for meat because it was not personal. He was a butcher by profession, unlike the act of slaughter by, of the bird by Kaushika, which was steeped in pride and anger. The boy's act of revenge was not about upholding a law of nature. He was driven by attachment to his mother. It was not his call, it was hers. He recalled that his heart was not set on it initially. But when his mother threatened to kill herself, he agreed with his mother's call for vengeance and acted completely against the voice of his own intelligence. We don't know if Fritz Heiber heard the call of his heart before coming up with the idea of the chemical weapon. We don't know from the scientists who came up with the idea of the atom bomb that they had regrets. While working on the bomb, they would have realized that the atom bomb by definition would wipe out entire civilian populations. It was not possible to use it just on soldiers. This was no different from a sorcerer destroying a house full of innocents just to checkmate his evil competitor. These were grave errors of judgment committed by gifted men who had gone against their own wisdom. How do you know the right course is by listening to that voice, which is pragya. So dharma is at once the order that is inherent in nature and at the same time the intrinsic properties of objects, systems, organisms and people. Every time we think or act in an unwise manner, we go against our nature, our dharma. We create a whirlpool of chaos, dukkha. But the universe too never likes to lose its order and being all-powerful, all-knowing, it quickly creates an event to balance the chaos we created and we experience an effect, a reaction, a repercussion and that could happen anywhere, anytime. The effects of Pragya Paradha The Charaka Samhita says, when we commit Pragya Paradha, that is, when we don't listen to that voice of wisdom, it affects three aspects of our being, our intelligence, our restraint and our memory. The boy knew even before he went to his teacher that he didn't want to do this and though he had committed a terrible crime. He quickly understood he had gone wrong. He didn't let all the powers that he had acquired through his practice of the black arts go to his head.
so he could hear his voice this voice of pragya maybe his uncle and aunt maybe his mother had through their many acts lost their intelligence the sensitivity needed to hear this voice restraint brings about stability or control over our intellectual functions it is because of this that the boy could stop himself from further abuse of his powers memory is remembering our true wisdom nature remembering here is not the act as getting going back to the past but identifying with that feeling one had with playing with color as a 2 year old if all data were to be wiped out of our memories but only that sense of how it felt remained we would be fine because when we lose the identification with the imperishable changeless beyond our thoughts and our body in its place we begin to identify with the body thoughts memories of the past which are all temporary with a validity date when this identification with the temporary is how we live then we will have to feel insecure even in a good moment we feel it will not last be it a person or a possession they will not last as we see and hear news of deaths of numbers we get more and more anxious we become those worlds of chaos and this starts affecting the world around us creating situations and events because the universe in response creates events and situations to balance out our anxieties and fears the teacher of the black arts had forgotten his true identity beyond his body and mind and that's why he felt he could take lives and save lives at will through sheer mastery of some techniques and so he was devastated when he failed to save his man he had forgotten the temporariness of it all he had forgotten that his wisdom body alone was his real identity he had stopped listening to his intelligence the space of intelligence was filled by his thought processes the gods he had created for himself they filled his mind space he therefore was in a constant state of pragya aparadha and now that he realized the gravity of having used his powers having taken lives and created chaos he feared a backlash and so he lived in constant anxiety guilt remorse the boy could see this as his future as well if he didn't change track he would be in a living hell and that fear would destroy his life living in constant stress reduces the length of a structure in the chromosomes called telomeres which results in quick death of cells and therefore speeds up the aging process we can see that the state of our minds can have a severe impact on our well-being all we need to understand now is that fear cannot be managed we have to go to its root meditation 
pitch dark in the moonlit sky. Let's not look at fear of this, fear of that, but peer into its very eye. Can we see fear as it is? As pure as seeing the form of the orange full moon rising in the east, across the wide river on a cloudless night sky, and its many reflections shimmering on the surface of the placid flow, lighting up the crevices between the rocks, adding a luster to the small pebbles, making them glow like precious stones. Let's look at our anxieties, sadnesses, hurt, anger, all our fears so that they too glow like these stones, which seem so precious, bathed in the moonlight, revealing all their features, a beauty which was unknown till now. Let's not accept the restlessness, the unease that doesn't let you be by yourself doing nothing. Let's stay here till the mind moves from all the chaos to the very origin of the unease. It's scary just after where the river bends. And what was that which moved behind us? Oh, it's just the good old mind playing some tricks to make us get up and go. To keep our restlessness going. Let's be the seer witnessing everything. Bring the gaze back to the sky. Let the ears pick up all the sounds without any filter. The moonlight bathed grayish sky begins to reveal its pitch dark form. You now see a sharp moon as if focused through the zoom lens of the camera. But unlike through the camera lens, here the black sky in the background too is equally sharp as the moon in the foreground. The eyes, guided by a mind in absorption, can see jet black in the grey sky. The mind and I, now absorbed in each other, an embrace without arms, a seeing without eyes, a disappearance of the two in the one.